is a global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Juicy Podcast. I'm Liz Elam. I've got Craig Bowdy with me today. And we are going to jump straight into a speed round so you can get to know my friend Craig Bowdy like I do. But I'm asking some questions I don't know the answers to. So speed is of the essence, Craig. You ready? All right. I'm ready. Okay. Favorite movie of all time? Oh, my God. You know what? Okay. Uh, Karate Kid, because I've been watching Cobra Kai a lot on Netflix, (laughs) and I've been really loving Cobra Kai. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> okay, vacation, beach or mountains? Beach, 100%. Yep, same. Pacifier or no pacifier? Oh my God. No pacifier. No pacifier. <laughs> okay. Yes. Best Confident. beer in Denver. Oh, best, okay, people are going to hate this answer. Best beer in Denver is one you can buy in Denver, but it's from Michigan because I'm like that. Oberon from Bell's Brewery. Okay. Okay. Good yeah, to know. I'm going to get a lot a of Denver hate gonna for that one. Get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This one's tough. Somebody asked me this recently and it freaked me out. Favorite co-working space in the world that's not yours? Oh my God. Um, I... <sighs> Sorry, this is supposed to be a speed round and I am completely failing. I visit so many, so many co-working spaces. I know. All the time. And I loved the experience of a tech space in people in New York City one time. I thought they had some hospitality down, but I loved their design too. They kind of were like this. uh, They had high hospitality, but the build out wasn't exactly like high-end fit and finish. It was Mm -hmm. very much, you could still see the studs and then they had that like acrylic walls. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of hit a DIYer like me, but they also nailed the hospitality. And so often those don't want, someone leans in one way or the other. And I felt like it was a very interesting blend. You could definitely see like, hey, maybe you could like up this, uh, the build out (laughs) a little bit. But that's just like someone being totally judgmental. But when I walked through the space, I really got good feelings. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the process, the tour. I enjoyed the swag that they gave away. I enjoyed their greeting bag. Like from a first impression standpoint, it really hit like, I feel like I'm being taken care of, but I also don't give up my scrappy mentality. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. And kind of a sleeper. I haven't heard tech space in like a couple of years, which hopefully they don't hear this because they're going to be like, really? Well, it was actually from the Juicy in New York City to why I went there. Oh, amazing. Uh, I love that. I went that. there for a tour. Yeah. Why I was there. So Very cool. Okay. Last one. Management agreement or partnership? Ooh, the partnership, you have to be more careful with your partner, but a management agreement, I often view as someone that wants to be a silent partner often. And they just, they want, they're more revenue driven. It's like hit the targets, meet your goals. And I'm going to leave you alone. Yeah. Partnership, a partnership is how I would be. If I like owned the neighborhood coffee shop, it's like, I really want to just write you a check, but I'm also going to be going in there every day and grading your coffee. Yep. So (laughs) I'm going to be an annoying person and I'm going to be, and I'm just there to say that I own the neighborhood coffee shop, Yeah, I'd be but the I'm same. not really going to do a lot of the work. So yeah. a management agreement. I love it. I love it. Well, um, you're not very speedy, but your answers were awesome. Okay, great. <laughs> Compensate. <laughs> okay. So most importantly, first and foremost, how are you? 
I'm good. Just had vacation and I'm back and I'm ready and I'm feeling very hopeful. I would say things got, you know, I felt a little beat up at moments, not down, just a little, just a little beat up, a little groggy, but I'm, I'm very hopeful and excited about the future, especially like my Chicago space. Boom. Like it's a neighborhood co-working space and people are finding us now and it got hit hard. And every several times a week I get, you got a new member. And I will tell you, I have been loving that feeling. We're building Mm. back and we're sticking to our core values and people are finding us. I love it. I love the comeback. So how are people finding you in Chicago? go. This is a set. This is a sad answer. Okay. But we were the last person standing in the neighborhood. Basically, <laughs> we're. <laughs> you know, it takes our competition takes, went right? under. Yeah, our competition went under. I think all of us were much more leaned into the traditional co-working concept of a lot of hot desking heavy versus office heavy, mm-hmm. and um, we were the last one standing in that because that model is really hard to do. But yeah. um, if you're the one doing it right in the neighborhood, then um, you're going to really attract those people. And we were just the last person standing there and we do a good job. Our community manager is killing it. So yeah. happy with her. So that's awesome. Um, that sh- little pep in my step. I love it. Yeah. I've been calling it the comeback. Like the comeback is here, maybe temporarily a little pause due to the Delta variant, but the comeback is real. And if you survived it, like you're going to get the benefits. No two ways about it. Absolutely. If Cobra Kai hasn't taught me anything, it's that you got to just keep fighting. Love it. So. I love it. And I'm looking forward to many more Cobra Kai references. <laughs> So, you know, Craig, a lot of people know you from Creative Density. You're like an OG. You were around in the beginning. I have this moment that I'll never forget. I think it was the second Juicy that was held at the Austin Music Hall. And I just remember how excited you were about co-working. And I loved it so much. Like I can see your face in 2013 at Juicy. And it's so fun to watch you grow and evolve. And you've evolved so far out of Creative Density, but not everybody knows that. So can you tell us just like a little bit about how it started and where you're at today? Sure. I'll give a, well, thank you for that. I started this when I was a fresh face, 24 year old. Um, and <laughs> we were so young. So I was a market researcher before I joined the co-working movement, helping large organizations basically do the three to five year plan, doing market research for product development. And later in the, in around 2015, I really started writing some market research driven co-working blog posts and putting on my market research cap. And I kind of became the feasibility study researcher for the co-working industry and the commercial real estate industry. And so started doing feasibility studies all across the United States. And then eventually worked on projects in Mongolia and Singapore and China and Haiti, and really started broadening my horizons to where this market research driven approach to the co-working industry was something that was kind of needed versus, I mean, you, you're, you're from the same club of us. We are all kind of like hippies in the co-working movement of like, this industry is going to just thrive because we all love each other and we all just want to come together. Well, if you what as spaces got bigger and people started writing more checks, people wanted to be more confident in their decision. And so I really filled the niche of a market researcher uh, for the co-working industry. And that's evolved into... My current venture that's been around for over two years now called DenSwap to where we help match make commercial real estate property owners with uh, vetted co-working space operators that want to join through a management agreement or a joint venture or 
just take over a space. Um, so we really take a market research driven approach and say, Hey, you have a space. Let's take a look at that space. Let's make sure that there's demand. Let's figure out the type of demand based on the demographic research, competitive market, um, and the market positioning. And then great. Now we have over 40 vetted operators. We can narrow that down to three and we want to help you select the best partner to fill your space. And so Love that's it. really where we've evolved. Yeah. I still own my spaces. Well, but you've also left out the fact you grew from one location to how many locations? Uh, I have five locations. Right. Bravo. Yeah. And you Thank grew you. your family too. I grew my family too. I met my wife at my co-working space and, and had a kid. So yeah. we're, we're a success story. You know? So much success. I love it. I love it when the good guys win. It makes me so happy. So, you know, the pandemic has been kind of crazy. And one of the things I said in the very beginning was like, you know, if you don't have things in order, you're not going to survive. But if you've got things in order on the other side of this, you're going to be taking the proverbial drink from the fire hose. And also, you know, so from the very beginning, we saw this as, yes, this is horrible, but the whole world is going to discover that working from home is an awesome and that this hybrid hub and spoke, flexible, whatever you want to call it, is a tidal wave of business coming our way. And that's happening. How do you see the pandemic changing the co-working world in general? Boy, so I, I kind of want to avoid the obvious answers as much as possible. Besides, there's going to be increased demand. There's going to be the people are going to be looking for the people that were going to sign the 5,000 square foot office space are probably now going to be looking for the six to 1,000 square foot section of a, of, a, of a co-working space. I think neighborhood co-working is going to have a big comeback. We're already starting to see that. And by, I should define what I think of neighborhood co-working. Uh, ever since the WeWorkization, and that happened really around 2015, co-working spaces started getting a lot larger in square footage. They went from around 8,000 square feet to really around that 15 to 20,000 square feet. And those spaces that were 25,000 to 40,000 square feet were no longer rare. And co-working spaces really started concentrating in the downtown areas. And well, since COVID happened, yes, we have the suburbanization of co-working, of people moving out into the suburbs, but there's going to be, there's, we're already starting to see increased demand for these smaller three to 5,000 square foot neighborhood co-working spaces. So there's going to be a lot more co-working spaces dotted in like the ring neighborhoods of cities versus everyone going to downtown. You're going to start seeing it in small towns. And, and these existed before, but they necessarily weren't that successful. I think they're going to have a lot higher success rate. We've learned also from what doesn't work from the business model, as you've, as you've seen. What makes a successful business model of a co-working space probably means you need to have a few offices. And so we've learned those lessons from the first time that these like neighborhood co-working spaces came about. And so now we can build better neighborhood co-working spaces. And I think the demand's going to be there. Another big thing about that's going to happen after this is really liquid space and desk pass are going to provide this fire hose of demand because they're selling to corporations and then just enabling corporations like to say, hey, 2000 employee workforce, you have a desk pass or you have a liquid space membership of credit, go and find whatever space like that billing 
is going to be already taken care of and enabled versus before it was with remote workers. The remote worker goes, finds their co-working space because they don't like working from home. And then they go and ask their boss like, hey, can you pay me back for this? No, that all those questions are going to be answered for them and they're going to be empowered. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And yeah, I see that coming as well. I also think a lot of those aggregators are going to get purchased usually by real estate companies who are freaking out right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I fully, they should. Hey, 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 we have a special offer just for our listeners today. Did you hear the good news? Juicy is back in person this fall in New York City, and you can receive 15% off your discount of a ticket by going to juicy.co and putting in the code GCUCPOD. We'll take 15% off your in-person or online ticket. Head over to juicy.co to take advantage of the savings right now. So total curveball that I didn't have planned, but I'm just curious because you look at so much data, Craig, I've seen some interesting things. I'm wondering if you can't bring some clarity to them. One of the things we've seen is a lot of people are saying the demand for small offices is way up. And I'm like, uh, and then in other markets, the demand for hot desking or open co-working is way up. Me personally, I choose open co-working because I want the most airflow possible and I don't want to be in a little office, right? And then the other thing, so I'm super curious as far as, is that a regional play, which is what I've been saying all along, it depends on the region, or do you see any specific trends? And then the other thing is, one of the the other things I've seen is I've seen a lot of operators built out suites right before the pandemic. So giant spaces with like a meeting room in it, a phone room in it, and maybe an office in it. And those are sitting empty right now. So I think it's like, do those need to be refitted into something else? Are those eventually going to fill up? What what happened to the suite business? So I know I just asked like seven questions, but you've been watching Cobra Kai, so you can do it. <laughs> so uh, the suite business has been slow to uptick, but we're starting to see demand for that pickup. Um, and to answer your question about the small offices, it really depends on the location of the space. Uh, we're seeing small offices in neighborhood co-working spaces and downtown cores. Those were the first to come back. But even since really the COVID vaccine CDC guidelines that really kind of goosed everyone's demand that says, hey, it's okay to be around people if you're vaccinated, we started to see it bump up to the four to six person offices. And all of my co-working spaces, it's, it's our large offices and large, I only mean six person offices are filling up. We've been starting to get tours for the larger teams and as we talk to other companies in DenSwap, they're not necessarily needing the suites. These larger teams have been willing to just purchase three to four offices next to each other. So if you're a co-working space owner and you're looking at you know, some strategies, try to keep some cluster of desks, some offices um, next to each other because you're going to attract that larger team. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. The suite market, we have several suite players here in um, in Denver, and we've been talking on DenseWap, and they're starting to see demand, but people aren't ready to sign that ink until they're going to pull everyone back yeah. into the office. I wouldn't retrofit those. Those are very expensive to retrofit when okay. you might just see demand in three months. Yeah. 
Um, so Craig, I know that you see a ton of people come to you and what I'm not sure everybody understands. So DenSwap is a marketplace. So if you're looking to go buy a co-working space, you go to DenSwap to see who's available. Or if you're a co-working space operator and you need to get out of the business or you're over it or whatever, life happens and you want to sell your space, you can list on DenSwap. So one of the things that I'm super curious about is how should somebody prepare their space for sale? So number one, get your finances in order, right? But what are the other things? Branding. like so, I wouldn't expect yeah, that. You, you didn't expect that. A lot of these people, they're kind of, you know, it's like Zillow hunting. They're going to be looking at spaces and... They want to kind of, they don't, they most likely want to build a turnkey space. And a lot of these people are their first time. If you have a good brand, that immediately appeals to them. That's like staging a house. Um, you're going to get more people just messaging you through, through the platform if you have good branding and good photos of your space. Obviously, finances are the number one thing. Build your business model to be staffed, most likely. That's going to be, that's, people are buying a business, not because they want to like get their hands dirty every single day and, and do it. You really want it to have a well-trained staff member because they want to just buy the business and, and keep the thing running. So have a competent staff member, have your books in order, spend money on marketing to goose your numbers. Don't worry about like, oh, I'm going to, they're going to see that as an expense. No, people want to see growth right now. So don't be afraid for three months to really amp up your marketing to, to fill up those offices. If you kind of know that, and this is the number one reason why people often sell, is because they built a space, they spent all their money on building it out, and they just kind of hit a double. They got it to like break even, but they didn't get it to make money. And now they know after like operating the space for like two to three years, what needs to change? Like I need to build out these types of offices and I know it's going to cost $50,000. I need to add a phone, some more phone booths. I need to upgrade the conference room. If you have a list of things of like, this is what I would do if I had to spend $100,000 and improve this space, I just don't want to take that risk anymore. I'm burnt out. Um, a buyer is looking to buy because they're 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 looking to turn things around. So they would love to buy your space for fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, and then put another hundred thousand dollars into the space. They are in spending mode, and they want that roadmap to be handed over to them. Well, that's great. So advice. that's what absolutely what I would do. Yeah, that's great advice. And how is demand on both sides of the market right now? Are there people out there looking to buy spaces and are there people selling spaces? What's it been like over the past couple years? We have a lot more buyers right now, which is not expected. We have, we have local chains that have gone from one to three locations over the years and they are ready to grow to be a 10 location chain. And they're now looking outside of their city borders. They're looking to go 10, 20, 30. We have even this one chain that says we're, our goal is 505 years. Good luck. Uh, I hope, I hope, I hope they absolutely do it. And we're going to help them help them do that. But we are talking to about 10 chains right now 
that want to know about every single space that comes comes through our platform. And so we have a lot of buyers need more sellers. And 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 I don't know how <laughs> that's and we we yeah, I mean if you're looking to sell and you're looking to exit, we most likely have a buyer for you especially in that 8 to 25,000 square foot space. We probably have someone that will is very happy we can make you three to four introductions really fast. The neighborhood spaces, that's most likely going to need to be a local a local buyer. And so those are much trickier. And so those are kind of like we have one in um, in Columbus, right? Columbus, Ohio. Absolutely great space. Beautiful. It needs that $50,000 to turn profitable. It's just, you know, Columbus isn't quite a... Uh, the tier one city that a lot of people are looking at, it's going to just, it's going to have to be someone that's already making a play in, in Ohio. But we had a Chicago and a Miami space that within like two months sold, closed deal, handed over. Um, so we, we have a lot more buyers. Amazing. <laughs> How did, so I, I can just hear co-working people listening to this and being like, okay, well, what, what do I do? How do I get a hold of Craig? What do I do? <laughs> You go to denswap.com and it, there's a button right there that says start my listing. And Great. the good thing is, is when you do that, your listing doesn't go live for like, we're going to take a look at it. We're going to help you out answering all those questions, but it gets you to see what types of questions we're asking so that you can start to say like, okay, what, you know, just log in, start your listing, see what we're asking for. Look at our blog post about recommendations. It's going to take time. So the sooner that you even start it, um, know that it's going to take probably like two months for you to get your listing in a, in finances in the place that it needs to be for a buyer. And it's going to take some time for us to find that buyer for you and to close the deal. So start now, look at the questions, get your mind in the right headspace. And I think, you know, the thing that people probably don't know that I think you probably just explained a little bit is like, you guys help them get to the place they need to be to sell. You're just not just throwing their stuff up. You're not Zillow. You are actually consulting with them and helping them and being like, Hey, we might want to do this. Or can you get a different picture from there? And like, that's, a really amazing service you're offering. Yeah. And we'll look at your floor plan and we'll help you with that roadmap of like, these are the things that we would do. And we, we write up um, not for every space, but we do optimization reports for several spaces that then people can download on our website. That kind of gives, you know, the consult den swap consulting hat on of saying, this is what we would do. And this is what we think new revenue projections would be. And we like to be a neutral third-party consultant to where whatever we kind of create, we share to both parties. We don't create data for one party or the other. We, we want everyone to be on the exact same page. We don't represent either party interest mm-hmm. exclusively. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, so and are you guys in the U S alone? Or are you outside the U S at all? Right now we focused on the U S we are getting, a, we are starting to get listings in, in Europe, uh, in Mexico and India. Sounds but like you are really international. Think, yeah. We don't have those listings live. 
Um, <laughs> we're really kind of focusing on the U on the U.S. Uh, it, right? It's funny. It's like the reason why we really don't have those listings lives. It really ruins the UX, the UI experience. <laughs> uh, ten swap. It zooms the map way out, and we're like, okay. And we just don't have buyers in that area right now. But we have a lot of buyers looking at basically cities that are two hundred and fifty thousand or more. And yeah. I know I mentioned Columbus. Uh, there are 800,000, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll find a buyer for them. But we I have a lot it. of buyers looking to grow. You're not a quitter. No, no. We, we'll, we, they're good people and it's a great community and we're going to keep it alive and we're going to find someone to turn it around. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. And um, if you guys want to talk to Den Swap more, Craig is for sure going to be in New York City at Juicy. So don't forget to get your Juicy tickets and meet us there. And Craig, I have another question for you. So at 12 years old, where were you living? The Mitten State, St. Joe, St. Joe, Michigan. Okay. Right on the beach. Okay. West Coast. That's awesome. And if you could, knowing what you know today about the world and your life and everything else. And you can go back to 12 year old Craig and tell him something. What would you tell him? Oh my God. Oh, I would uh, just, I mean, I loved I, on my first iPod when they did the free engraving thing. Uh, you you got to pick something. I did Vidi Vidi Vinky, which was uh, Caesar was asked, Julius Caesar was asked one time, like what motivated you or why did you keep going? And he said, basically, in the, the Latin, it's Latin for I came, I saw, and I conquered. Mm-hmm. And I always viewed that as uh, the ancient version of just do it. Yeah. Um, and I, when I first learned that, heard that, I, I loved it. And I think that's, I would keep making sure that that was on the front of young Craig's mind of just do it. I mean, yep. why don't just don't overthink don't make it. any excuses that yeah and there's really fear in failure is is highly overrated take some precautions i'm still just a good old midwestern conservative guy i don't want to be too risk taking but just jump out of the plane every once in a while just make sure you have a parachute yeah you um, know what i can remember two really pivotal moments in my life and one was when i decided to stop my corporate job and um go to italy for a year and one of my friends said you just need somebody to push you in the pool and you pushed me in the pool and i did it and then there was the time that i moved to austin texas from italy and i was going to open up this co-working space and i was deep in analysis paralysis and I went to a like former CFO that was volunteering at SCORE. I had been in their offices like literally 15 times in the past eight months, you know, with my business plan and questions and things and all this stuff. And I was back with my, you know, 18th iteration. And this old dude <laughs> sat across from me and pushed his chair back and looked at me and he said, Liz, just fucking do it. And yeah. literally that's what I needed to hear. And I went and I signed the lease the next day. Awesome. I mean, it's, it, it's so true. We're, we're, we're people that would do that. And I, and a lot of these people that are listening to the podcast are already people that are like that, but you need to hear it over and over and over and over. Yeah. And like, it's all going to work out. You're not making fatal mistakes and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's how you grow. If you're not out making mistakes, you're not growing. Yeah. I I mean, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know what? We have a lot of fun along the way. 
Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And I am so blessed to have friends like you that I've known for, you know, 10 years now and can't wait to see it the next Juicy. And it's just like, it's such a good gift and this industry just keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Craig, I know like Craig and I were catching up and I'm like, I got to just record this because Craig and I have so much fun talking to each other. And I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you liked it, hit the like button. If you liked it, follow us. If you didn't, well, I'm sorry. (laughs) And we'll see you in New York. (laughs) 